Hello, parents. Welcome to the Masterful Parenting Podcast. I'm Ann Alvarez, parent coach, school counselor, and mom of two. Do you struggle with your relationship with your kids because you carry childhood pain? Do you get triggered by your child's behavior, become irrational, and maybe even yell at your children? Maybe you want to be a better parent, but you don't know how. Instead of repeating old patterns, you want to heal your pain, become more aware of your child's needs, feel connected to your kids, and learn the tools to communicate better so you can truly enjoy your parenting. If you are ready to heal your childhood pain, raise healthy, connected, and happy kids, and end the cycle of parenting with pain, then join me. Our kids deserve it, and we can do this. Let's go. Hello, parents. Welcome to the Masterful Parenting Podcast. I am so excited today because I have a special guest. Her name is Katrina Beatty. She is a parent coach and consultant for parents navigating the challenge of their children's big emotions and behaviors. She has two daughters, one of whom has an anxiety disorder called selective mutism. She was a primary school teacher and now holds a master's degree in the psychology and neuroscience of mental health qualifications in trauma-informed coaching and mental health coaching. She works with parents to support their emotional and their children's emotional well-being, both during the day and during the night, using a technique called the Goulding process. So welcome, Katrina. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so excited because I want to know about the Goulding process, but like, I'm going to go through the questions and then you can go, mm-hmm. you can add what it, all your expertise. Okay, what do you think is the most valuable thing parents need to know about their kids? Yeah, so in my opinion, the most helpful thing that changes the way parents understand their children when I'm working with them is actually a sort of basic neuroscience principle, which is a bit about the brain and how the brain responds to threats. And that, when I say threat, I mean an actual threat, but also a perceived threat, you know, that might not actually be there, but that that child thinks is there. And when we talk about threats, I guess we also include like anticipating threats, thinking that there might be a threat coming up as well. So this is something that while I was a, a teacher, I remember having training on and it completely changed the way I understood children when they were having big emotional reactions, which as you know, often looks like what we might say, poor behavior, bad behavior, challenging behavior. But actually what we're talking about, I, I want to say all the time, but I don't know if you can go that far necessarily. But what you're actually talking about is a child who is experiencing like a fight, flight, freeze response because their brain thinks they're under threat. Um, so when the brain thinks that something is threatening, the amygdala lights up and kicks our body into being able to deal with the threat, you know? So we might get aggressive and angry because that's one way to deal with the threat is going into a fight response. Um, We might try and run away from the the threat. That looks like literally running away, or we might freeze and hope that that threat disappears. So in in my daughter's case with selective mutism, that's what you see. If you talk to her, she'll freeze and wait for you to go away because her brain's thinking, I'm not safe. I'm not safe. 
and I'll just this is my way of dealing with it um so that's what's really um interesting and I think important to understand about when we think we're under threat is that the more logical parts of our brain you know the high evolved prefrontal cortex and all of the thinking logical reasoning bits of the brain can't work properly and they don't work as well in children anyway because it's not so well developed but when we feel under threat we can't make rational decisions like is this a big deal should I react to this can I think through this and choose a better choice they can't do it and nor can we when we're having that kind of reaction awesome thank you so much that really really totally makes sense of what's happening with the brain and how the the, the responses of, of that so how does this relate to parents and and what role do parents play so I think there's a, a lot in this question. Um, yeah. I think, first of all, what role parents play is in knowing this and trying to understand their children and how their children work. That's one huge part. Um, when we talk about feeling under threat, we often think about, you know, a physical danger and trying to save our life. But we all are motivated by social things as well. So social threats are a huge thing, like, you know, being slighted by a friend or feeling like you've not achieved very well and what will everyone think of you? These are huge threats to people. So as parents, the role we play in supporting our children is to try and work out what really drives our children, what social uh, drivers are most important to our children. Do they need status? Do they need certainty? Do they need autonomy and to be in control? Do they need connection? Do they need a sense of fairness? Those are five big drivers. Um, and also our role is to try and notice what what other triggers make our children feel threatened. So some children and a lot of adults have, you know, sensory sensitivities, for example, and they can tolerate sounds more or less than others and things like that. So that's one part. But then I think a huge thing that I think all parents should know because it helps us to feel better is that those things, responding to threats, we're doing that all the time as well. And when our child is having a big emotional or behavioral reaction, that makes our brains go, oh, no, something's wrong. So a lot of the time when our children's behavior, let's say, is um, irritating or difficult to deal with or really pushes our buttons, it's because our brain is going, ah, something's not right here. So we 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 deserve to sort of understand that we're not we're not bad if we feel cross when our children are are you know exhibiting something like I don't know you're out in public and they're doing that thing and it's really embarrassing uh, that's natural because yeah. our brain's going oh no oh no people are going to judge me people are going to judge me that's yeah. entirely normal too you know so part mm -hmm. of this is our role is um forgiveness self-forgiveness you yeah. know but also when we understand how brains respond to threats and how to calm the brains down, we know then that, you know, people always say you can't pour from an empty cup. You've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. This is actually why it's so important, in my opinion, because we have to calm our brains down first before we can calm our children's down. Because otherwise we're going to act in a way that isn't actually the best way to do it. You know, if yes. our brain's still under fight, flight, freeze, we're going to be getting cross, we're going to be shutting down, or we're going to just be ignoring it, which actually doesn't really help the threat. 
it actually Uh just a a sort of safety behavior or something so you know first and foremost not just because we deserve to be calm we actually should be calming down our brains before we try to calm our children down so that we can do it in the best way possible yes and we just deserve that that space to be to be calming and regulating our emotions as well Um, but I also love the fact that if we're doing this and we're showing our children but also teaching them and showing them and being that role model that is so important it's so so good like I I always say that we cannot problem solve when our brain is in that kind of uh, state Mm -hmm. and so we have to calm the brain down because not logical thinking is out the window when you're going right with our kids too with us and Mm -hmm. with our kids Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's no, there's no way we can problem solve. So the first thing we have to do is, is uh, get, get ourselves, calm, get the brain calm, right? Yeah, what you're saying, exactly. get the brain calm. Okay. So, yeah. so how do we do that? How, how do we get the brain calm? <laughs> well, that's the big question. Yeah. How do we calm brains down um, for kids or ourselves? What, what, uh, let's what do, do parents like? first because parents uh, need to calm down. Yeah. So parents come first. Yeah. First and foremost is the parents. Okay. So obviously they are going to be different approaches for different people. That's a big thing as well. So what we need to do is work out what actually works for us. But in general terms, um, what we need to do is re-engage a different part of the nervous system. So when we, when we're doing like fight, flight, our brains go, oh no, people are judging me or whatever we're thinking. We, the, the sympathetic nervous system is is um, powered up, releasing cortisol, the stress hormone, and powering us up to escape the danger. So we have to do the techniques to activate the opposite side of that nervous system. And both sides are, um, they're not a conscious choice. You can't, you don't choose to go into fight, flight, freeze. You know, we're not in control of that. But we can choose to do things to activate the other half, which is the part that shows the brain there is no danger. You can calm down, power down, stop releasing the cortisol. So the parasympathetic nervous system is where it's all at. Um, So in general terms, you know, people talk a lot about breathing exercises, but this is exactly what a breathing exercise does. It, It activates the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, a breathing technique that I really like is called the four, seven, eight. So would you like me to explain? Yes, I'm excited. Four, seven, eight breathing is really good because you are exhaling for longer than you are inhaling. And that's a key bit for engaging this part of the nervous system, the calming downside. So we breathe in for four through our noses. We hold for seven. It doesn't have to be seven seconds, but whatever feels right. So in for four, hold for seven and exhale through the mouth for eight of the set, you know, whatever you're counting. And what's great about this one is because it's like you have to count a bit. You're also distracting the brain and able to re-engage that thinking logical part as well. So, yeah, that's a really powerful one. People like different types of breathing exercises. Some people like to do it on an app or so on. Um, that's a really good one. Just taking a minute or mindfulness or just being present, just taking a break. It's whatever works really for me. It's breathing. What, what works for you, Anne? Um, I, I, I do breathing. 
<laughs> yeah. I talk I talk to myself in my head. I I I I'm like, don't personalize. It's mm. okay. I have a teenager now, he's 13, so he likes to argue a lot. Um, so when he's arguing with me, I'm like, don't personalize it. <laughs> yeah. He's a teenager. Or I will take a break. I will say, I don't want to get yeah. mad. Um, so I'm going to actually leave. And then I want to talk yes. about this later. Yes, you know, because I, I need that. to take that break. I need to like mm-hmm. not hear the arguing anymore yep. <laughs> and, and, and just leave and then come back and say, okay, let's talk about this. Right. Yeah. Um. So those are, that's what I do, but I do actually really like um the breathing as well. I just find mm-hmm. my body feels better because mm-hmm. I say to parents, you feel, you can feel it in your body. Like for me, I can oh, feel yes. it in my body. My body's tense. Right. Yes. I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get angry. Like I need to, <laughs> I need to calm myself down. Um, I know. Yeah. But I was going to say the four, seven, eight. So are you holding your breath for seven seconds then? Okay. Not necessarily seven seconds. I mean, I, when I started doing this, it was a bit shorter than seven seconds, but as you continue to practice, you can do it for longer. Okay. Yeah. And then do you repeat it? until you yeah so at least five times round is recommended yeah and the thing about the thing that I love about breathing that I always tell everyone is that also when you're you know if you're just starting this what you want to do is do these breathing exercises like throughout the day not just at that time when you really need it because as we know you're not going to be thinking logically so you actually need to build it in as like a practice don't you so it becomes habitual and it becomes natural so that when you need to calm down, your brain goes, oh, then breathing helps my brain. So, you know, it becomes more of a, a natural response. So, you know, I, I've learned this one that one of the things I see in my daughter is I, I try to go straight to when she's feeling anxious. Right, come on, come on, let's breathe. But she's like, no, <laughs> because she's not ready. <laughs> she's not ready. We haven't done it as a as a a thing during the day that's that's just a nice pleasant thing to do so her brain will start associating it with feeling anxious which isn't what we want we want her brain to associate it with feeling calm and then bring it in when needed when anxious yeah I do I do say to parents that we really have to gauge what our children are telling us and and they some some kids need more time to uh to calm down Mm-hmm. And sometimes they just need your presence. They just need you sitting with them. 100%. Right? Yes. While they're going through their moment. So we allow them to express their moment, have their moment. Yes. Yeah, and then, exactly. I mean, yeah, I when don't they're know about ready, that's, that's one of the biggest things I've learned. And I know we'll talk a bit more about this, but is that is not being scared of them having big feelings because feelings are valid, right? Of course, all feelings are valid. And we don't want to label the scared angry those ones they're not bad feelings they're telling us something aren't they you know so I used to sort of feel anxious myself like oh no she's scared what am I going to do about it and like re re like redirect her just distract her try and shut down that feeling but as you say what you want to do is just be there while they're having it yes Mm -hmm. I think parents and I and I I'm guilty of this too in the early parenting years we want to rush to problem solving We want to make things better for them right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really the key is just to be with them and allow them to express, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, I'm 100% in agreement with you. Like our our feelings are valid. All feelings are valid. Mm 
all. And they're part of our human experience and we have to express them. I think in society, we have been taught not to express Mm -hmm. and it's caused a lot of problems mental health wise, right? And so we have to reverse that. We have to change that way of thinking. But yes, feelings are good. Express Mm -hmm. them. Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I, I really feel quite strongly exactly what you just said, that when the way I was raised back in, you know, the 1980s, it was... No, oh, oh, good feelings only good vibes only let's like stop crying it's fine let's carry on you know yeah um people are uncomfortable with with um what yes. they what they think of as negative emotions but they're not negative emotions they're just emotions mm-hmm. right? emotions yeah. yeah yeah and we don't want to shut them down because i should say that suppressing is a really bad it's there's lots of studies that show that you've got two big um types of emotion regulation strategies one of them is cognitive reappraisal which is you know once you can think logically trying to find the the sort of silver lining and and finding good in adversity which is consistently shown to have great outcomes on mental health but the opposite suppressing emotions is consistently found to show to lead to you know poorer mental health outcomes 100 percent because you have no no outlet and then all of that lives inside of you right so yeah that is so good okay I want to get to um what tips you have for calming children's brains down and showing them that they're safe and then maybe you can talk about your daughter her anxiety oh yeah I could talk (laughs) about her forever (laughs) (laughs) okay um well, yeah, so just like we've talked about, the first thing is not trying to skip through to the logic, not trying to problem solve. We know we have lots of empathy, especially for our children. So we want to go and help them first, but we don't like, we, we're trying to skip through the stages. So mm-hmm. the first thing is just being there. So connection and empathy are where it's all at. There's a there's a three R's approach that I really like, which is regulate, relate, and reason I think that's a great sort of way to remember for us adults um so first we regulate you know we we try to calm the brain down try and show the brain that it's safe um relate which is just showing that we understand so or I, I love the phrases that we don't even need to necessarily know what they're so upset about at the moment. And they might not even know themselves. They might not be ready to tell them. But by relating, we don't have to say, sometimes the phrase is like, I understand that you're sad or I can see that you feel like this. But I love as well, even just saying like, I can see you're having a lot of big feelings right now. And that's okay. You know, we don't necessarily need to always label them or, you know, I just love saying, I'm here for you. I've got you. That's all we need to do at that point. And then the reason is once they're calm, which, as you know, sometimes takes a long time, which is also okay. That's when we say, okay, so what was going on there? What could we do to help you better next time? Or what will we do next time? That's the situation. But I think um, I think we over underestimate sometimes how long it can take them to be ready to sort of process through that, you know? And it isn't necessarily all like we do these things all at that time. Maybe we come back to it a day later, you know? Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I have two very different children. We've talked about Zan, you know, children have very different personalities. One of mine always wants to be cuddled, to be stroked. That's what she wants. The other one 
often wants to be left alone. It is all about working out what each child wants. And I think there's a big place for not assuming that we know. So I often, you know, offer things or ask them what, what would be helpful. I try to use like coaching for my children. So what could we do here? What would you like? Or would you like a cuddle? Would you like to just sit quietly? Because if a child likes to be stroked, they might not always like to be stroked as well. So it's about ad- adapting and knowing, giving them the power to speak and advocate for themselves as well. Yes, yes. Okay, I love that. I just love that. Um, okay, so when your daughter is having anxiety, so you you believe in like the connecting, the empathy, uh, regulate, relate, and reason. So... So you're going to get her to be regulated first, right? And then yeah. you're going to say, I understand how you feel. Um, and then you're going to go to, how can we make things better, right? This is a model I use. Yeah, I love it. Great, I love it. it. It's, it's so, so good. This yeah. is like, for me, this is relational parenting, right? Because you're yeah, really, absolutely. yeah, you're really, um, you're really get involving your child in, um, in, in, in the way to make things better, right? And then they feel empowered which is amazing and supported too right and And not judged they're not judged exactly exactly okay so so um what's the biggest thing that has helped you deal with your daughter's anxiety is it this method or 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 just a lot a lot of different things I mean I think understanding what anxiety really means and what's going on in the brain has been huge and I, I teach everybody that I work with if they don't already know that you know for example understand that this is not a conscious choice yes. to have to you know that's really important for parents to understand it's really important for me to understand um I think there's just been lots of different lessons to learn along the way and one of them I, I talk about it in terms of anxiety but this would relate to any sort of challenge that you're trying to help your child with which is that I've learned a lot about what progress does and doesn't look like and sort of reframed my understandings that's been really important like when you understand a bit about neuroscience and neural pathways and things like that you understand say for my my daughter if she can't speak to people that doing one thing let's say for example when she started school and she couldn't speak to her teachers because the level of anxiety was so high that it literally closes the throat up, you know, so it's very high alert brain state. Um, so it was a huge thing for her to start tugging on her teacher's jumper without being able to speak, even getting somebody's attention, huge. So the first thing I learned there was that looks tiny to other people, right? As a tiny thing, maybe some other people wouldn't even notice it. For her, that's an enormous step. And deserves massive celebrations that's that's the first thing but then also you might think I mean I was working with a parent a couple of weeks ago about this similar issue you sort of think right she's done that what's the next step but actually that thing needs to be overlearned over and over again because you're trying to rewrite neural pathways aren't you and make that that took a lot of effort we want to have her do that so many times that that doesn't require any effort anymore because it's overwritten what used to be there you know yes yes I think that is so amazing I talk a lot about um, the same as you is the baby steps um because I'm a school counselor I deal with uh 
anxiety. That's like my number one thing that I deal with um, with my teenagers. And we take baby steps, like really, really baby steps, right? Um, when we're dealing with anxiety. And you're right. Celebrate. Celebrate those baby steps because that's accomplishment. We are we're moving, right? We're not staying where we are. So I yeah. think that is so, so, so good. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Katrina. Like I am so like, uh, I've learned a lot. <laughs> I love brain science. This is yeah, my jam. I love it. I love it. So I really appreciate um, what you've shared today. Uh, do you want to just tell our, our audience like where they can reach you, if they want to work with you, how they can yeah, find you? Absolutely. I mean, I'd love to talk a bit more about um, one of a specific technique I've been using as well. Oh, yes, um, yes. Yes, yeah, can you do a yeah, brief? So this is a really beautiful connective technique that parents can use themselves at home, which is so empowering for the parents because we can often feel really powerless, stuck in a long waiting line for services and so on. So this is something parents can do. And I now work with parents, having done it myself with my own daughter. It is a, a technique for talking to the subconscious mind. It's completely it's completely risk-free, completely simple, and it rewrites neural pathways to make them feel calmer, more confident, braver, better regulated, happier, uh, yes. better self-esteem. It's just uh, incredible, the results I've seen. I've had children who uh, used to like bite through the cuffs of his jumpers once a week. Mum was having to buy a new jumper, doesn't bite through his jumpers anymore. Nice. I've had another okay. family who, who couldn't go out anywhere because it was, well, I mean, they could, they chose not to because it was too stressful for everyone involved because the meltdowns were so intense yeah. and so frequent, you know. And this often is also the case with, you know, children with a neurodivergent condition. So yes. this is a great method for anybody who's got big emotions or poor self-esteem. Um my daughter is so much braver, so much happier, has talked to so many new people since starting this method. Wow. So okay, so what's the method? Incredible. What's it called? What do we do? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really it's a it's a beautiful way of just speaking to them with a very it's a very set process, but um it's how we talk to their brain while they're sleeping so that their conscious brain can't sort of get in the way because their conscious brain has, has got, you know, the, the self-beliefs and things yeah. in it and going, well, wait, I'm not, this isn't what I do because I don't speak, for example, in the case of my daughter, but the subconscious brain can't argue back. So we're just sort of reprogramming it to, to have like really lovely, positive self-beliefs. Wow. And what you see and is just change throughout the day. It's amazing. And, and, and so we so it's done while our child's sleeping. Mm -hmm. Just a couple and of minutes. Is this the Goulding process? Yeah. So wow. it's just a couple of minutes a night. It does take commitment because you have to do it for, you know, you don't just do it once and then you're done. The repetition is part of why it really works. But yeah, so that's one way that I work with parents now is, is to do that. And I love it because the changes are incredible. But I also so, work with parents to support their well-being. But what I found was that parents really want to know how to help their ch children. Yeah. So yeah. that's, well, that's you know, it's a sort of two-pronged approach. What do you yeah. need? What's your child need? And so, yeah, right. so that's that's me. Wow, that's so exciting. Okay, so yeah. how can people find you? Uh, so I um, have a website. It's called takethewheelwellbeing.com. Um, take the wheel because, you know, for parents, it's about 
trying to take charge of it and saying, okay, something's not quite right here. Let's do something about this. And this is something that they can really do. Take the wheel well-being. Um, I'm on Instagram as Katrina underscore parent underscore coach. And um, yeah, so I I always offer free uh, half hours because sometimes people might want to do the golden process. Sometimes they want to have coaching sessions. It's all about working out what works best for anybody involved, you know. That's so, yeah. so amazing. Okay, that's so great. Thank you so much, Katrina Beatty. It was so nice to have you. And I just want to do a little recap for parents. So parents, um, it's not a it's not a conscious choice. Our children go through this flight, uh, fight or freeze. Um, it is their brain's response to threat. Okay, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing takeaway is that. Um, we can help calm our brains down. We can help our children calm their brains down. Uh, Katrina talked about regulate, relate, and reason. So we sit with our children until they're calm and we allow them to express their emotions. And then we can sit, we can empathize and connect with them and then help involve them in the problem solving of what's happening with them. So thank you so much. The breathing. I love the four, seven, eight. I'm going to try that. It sounds amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you, Katrina. And thank you, parents, for joining us. I will see you next time. Goodbye. If this podcast inspired, blessed, or changed you in any way, I would love for you to share this with your family and friends on your Instagram page and tag me at Masterful Parenting and join my Masterful Parenting Facebook page or DM me for more parenting support. And I will meet you here real soon. Remember, be relational with your kids and you will see a change. Love to all you parents out there. Let's change the world one parent at a time.